All right, welcome to Therapize Podcast. This is your host, Guy Hernandez, LMFT, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist here in California. And we're back. It's been three months. Uh, it's been a crazy time for a lot of people, and I've been making my own adjustments as well. But I'm glad to be back on the the podcast and to put out some more content and continue to raise awareness and destigmatize mental health. Um, still looking for guests, uh, and today we have another guest. I think at this point, you know, I'm really, uh, want to emphasize having guests on the podcast, having more to talk about and getting more perspectives, uh, on mental health, on mental health options, on treatment, on issues that other therapists and mental health professionals are, are seeing in society. Uh, so I know a few people have reached out to me before and I've reached out to others, but yeah, love to have people on the guest and now that I am figuring out this whole Zoom telehealth thing. Uh, I've gotten a little more comfortable doing it, so I'm also making uh, the podcast into a video. So if you haven't, there's one available, one video available from our last episode three months ago with uh, Dan Main, LMFT, where we talked about EMDR and trauma. And e- so yeah, you can find that on YouTube, Therapized Podcast. Uh, and today we have, like I said, we have another guest. We have Natalie Silva on today. Natalie is an old friend. Uh, we went to grad school together, so it was really good to reconnect. And at the beginning of this episode, there's actually some kind of uh, uncut stuff that I just left in uh, where we didn't unofficially start. And the context behind that is I started recording the audio, forgot to record the video. But anyways, in the midst of that, uh, my dog started barking incessantly and kind of disrupted the whole uh process anyway so we restarted and uh, I left a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a conversation we had before we officially restarted just because I thought it was it was nice so anyways yeah on today's episode we are joined by Natalie Silva uh, LMFT Natalie has experience working with youth, youth and families but currently specializes in women's mental health in her private practice Natalie is also a trained perinatal mental health therapist and works with new and expecting mothers uh, listen as we discuss issues unique to women's health like self-esteem, body image, perfectionism, and how to transform your inner critic into a voice of self-compassion. You can find Natalie on Instagram and Facebook at Natalie Silva LMFT. Visit her website at NatalieSilvaLMFT.com. Uh, and yeah, today it's, it's a kind of a lax conversation. Uh, we're just kind of catching up, but mostly talking about women's mental health and my perspective of, of past work I've done, but also really gaining uh, some insights to what she does. Uh, I could easily have Natalie back and we talk more specifically about one topic and I love to hear if people want to want to know more specifically. So please reach out to Instagram or Facebook at Therapies underscore podcast. One idea we had was having a whole episode strictly about postpartum depression since I have experience, since I have experience working with postpartum depression albeit minimal, and it's a big focus of her work uh, is, is women issues. So anyways, without further ado, please enjoy the episode. Make sure to check out Charmer and Clay uh, for the great music. Um, and thank you to theme song as always to Brett Chance uh, for someone up there likes you.
I think what, and I'm gonna hit record so I don't forget. I think, (laughs) I think what, what COVID uh, has helped with too is to uh, let go of being perfect and on all the time, right? Yes. I think my clients feel closer to me in the sense that they, I'm not just this like, especially kids, you know, they don't need to exist outside of their bubble. But then when they hear, you know, my dog in the background or my kid or whatever, or I say like, hey, I can only meet at two o'clock because that's when my kid naps. There is like a connection that happens because they're like, oh, you're a human? For sure. (laughs) You have a family? Yeah. Absolutely. I I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Well, part of, uh, yeah, very, let's, uh, yeah. So uh, second time around, <laughs> Natalie, let's do this. Natalie, let's thank do. you for being on Therapy's <laughs> podcast for the listeners and the viewers. Uh, I have the dog on my lap cause he was barking oh, okay. for about five minutes during the audio and, uh, now he's here and I also wasn't recording the video. So thanks again, Natalie. Sorry for the redundancy. No, you're good. We are, we are here. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Tell the people once again, a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name's Natalie Silva. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I work predominantly out in the central Valley. I work for a nonprofit, um, part-time with school age kids in the, um, medical system of care and then recently it was in april i opened up my private practice part-time that specializes in women's mental health and perinatal mental health which means i work with moms who are expecting or postpartum perfect um yeah and my question 10 minutes ago uh, before the dog interrupted was really like what inspired you to um to jump in and focus on women's mental health specifically yeah yeah, so I I really like that question because I spent a lot of intentional time thinking like who could I see myself working with for a very long time and who do I feel naturally connected to? Um, like who do I think what I would be a best fit for? And I've always felt very connected to um, women and my own womanhood. So anything that was in alignment with women's rights, feminism, all of that stuff, um, I just felt really empowered by it and watching women in my own social circle and professional circles, you know, struggling with things like body image and anxiety and, you know, depression, perfectionism, codependency, all of those things. Like I just felt really called, really called to, to help where I could. I knew I had a certain skill set that could be useful. Absolutely. And one thing we just talked about was that if, if we don't, uh, bring it, bring it up, right. That we can just kind of accept it as the way it is, even if it's not functional. And I think when, uh, we start focusing more specifically and diving into different issues, it allows that person to struggle wherever they are. Right. Yeah. And I know that there's like help and support out there too. I think especially with the perinatal population, um, I mean, I knew when I was a mom, I think the closest I got to a screening was like, do you want to hurt yourself? Um, Yeah, and that was it. Like, it happened, I think, at like my six weeks checkup to having the baby and then six weeks after and that was it. You know, there was there was not really anything else for me and feeling very invisible as a mom. I went through a very traumatic delivery with my daughter wow. and recovery and just feeling very alone. And I don't want any mom to, you know, feel that way. So absolutely. <laughs> and, and there's one of those, those things, right. With the perinatal. And I think even, uh, 
so perinatal, I looked it up, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. The definition I found was 22 weeks into pregnancy and, mm-hmm. and one week, uh, all the way to one week after delivery. Is that yes. correct? So perinatal does encompass that. And then we also have this postpartum, which can be up to a year right. after having a baby. And, but you'll see postpartum anxiety and depression far after that. Like, I still struggle with certain aspects of my trauma, right. you know. Um, so you probably wouldn't call it, like, postpartum depression or PTSD. And there's so many layers to just even the things that moms are at risk for. We just really talk about the depression part, but there's many disorders that are associated and risks for, for new moms. And I think, well, actually, let me back up. Um, I... Last year, I worked with one mom, uh, one mom, one new mom. I think when I saw her when she had like a one month old baby, and she'd mm. bring it to the session, postpartum, right? And here I am, yeah. the guy that is the specialist with teenage boys, <laughs> and uh-huh. and getting them off electronics and back to school. And yes. here sits this new mom, and I'm like, what the hell am I gonna do? <laughs> um. But no, I was glad for the experience because uh, what I learned from her was the the tragedy of it and what you kind of spoke that is the lack of resources, maybe not available, but that are are integrated in your experience automatically. Oh yeah, there are none. Right. I think it was just in 2019 where they passed legislation where hospitals have to not only screen but offer resources yeah yeah it's, it's, it's like, crazy wow. to me because you're talking I've about this babies for a long time this show, <laughs> <laughs> it's so seriously because that's a big <laughs> undertaking and then and then maybe really think about and being able to sit with her and kind of see hear her her story and her experience um and i was feeling really incompetent like what can i provide this woman yeah. um, but what i i really come to learn is uh there's so much more to it than just giving birth and then you have a child, right? Mm-hmm. There's the, the 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 postpartum that you know, and that's why she was she was coming to me is postpartum depression and anxiety, um, yes. and uh, just the the struggling of um, how do I get back to my career, right? How do I uh, kind of reconnect with my spouse? Uh-huh. Right? There was all this stuff. Oh, there's so much grief in motherhood. Right. Even if you've never experienced, like, a loss of a baby or a miscarriage or anything like that, even when you you make it through and you have your baby and they're healthy, there is a loss that we don't talk about, an invisible loss of what our lives were like before, you know? And in the cases where that baby is super sought after and wanted and, you know, even then, even when it's what we want and we right. still want there is this side of mourning of wow sometimes i really do miss going to the bathroom and not having an audience or being woken up at 3 a.m 4 a.m 5 a.m and having to get up and go to work those were all the things that nobody you know y'all get like just when you get married they're yeah. like oh marriage you know marriage is hard you know the same thing about parenthood parenthood's hard you better get ready um and which sounds kind of like dismissive and callous and then when you're actually in it you're just sitting there like well wow no shit those people aren't here with me at 3 a.m when i'm like crying over my kid. <laughs> no, absolutely. And the lost yeah. sleep and what that does to our mental health, right? Yeah. Um, and that point that you just said there too, and and what I kind of remember from working with that that mom, and and, and for, since then, like talking to friends, that, you know, my that have kids, and yeah. that oh my god, like I I 
I always have someone attached to me. When do I just get to be the solo human? And that, that makes me think of that grief, right? Like there's a, a little bit of individuality lost, I imagine. Um, oh, like... <laughs> yeah. The physical, like tapping out that happens. Right. I breastfed my daughter for a very long time. She was past the age of two. And I do remember feeling like, wow, I haven't had somebody like literally be like a part of me nourishing them with my body for two over two years right. and I loved our breastfeeding journey it was beautiful on by so many levels but there, like there's always these two parts right you know as much as I loved it there were definitely days where it was like yeah I'm done yeah I'm I, done. yeah for sure I <laughs> yeah I I could yeah. totally I can't imagine but I can imagine yeah, at the same when time you speak it, it's just like we were talking about when you speak it there's this moment of oh wow you know like of course that's your experience once somebody says it For out sure. loud it makes a lot of sense but it's not something that really gets talked about yeah and and in what i know and going going to that and, and the my mission in the podcast what we were talking about earlier is to yeah. consistently destigmatize mental health because right? yeah, yeah. we know with physical health right we've been on this these all these different things and yeah. we can have all these selling points and ads and i think we're seeing a bigger movement lately with mental health they are hearing ads for um better help or these other organizations yeah, yeah. and i think we're getting there but i still don't see it as integrated into our society as like a, a social norm or yeah, a regular like just social going to the doctor for your annual right. call or mm-hmm. yeah like we're oh, I'm going to the therapist today right there's still still exactly. the sense of that and but what I reflecting on working with that mom um I remember working against the stigma as well right like yeah I should be able to handle that that's exactly what it was I shouldn't be here all yeah, these other moms shouldn't be this can hard. do it this isn't who I am right mm-hmm. and you know thinking that all these other moms can do it, they're not going crazy, right? Or whatever the mm-hmm. negative narrative was. And then, you know, over time, I've only worked with, uh, that was my only client that was in, in that kind of, that we worked on that theme, a new new mother. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine if you work with that consistently, you'd be like, you have no idea how many mothers are saying the same thing uh, as you. And if we I just admitted it, so many of my clients. Like, if I could just get you guys all in a room, right? It's gonna be good. Like, you could talk to you and you and you. And I think that's why. But there, I mean, gosh, guy, talk about destigmatizing mental health. Right. That's like individual. That's one on one. There's a very safe space about that. Then we got to move to destigmatizing like group support. Right. If I suggest group. It's most of the time. It's like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Oh God, groups can be especially for new moms. For sure. Because there is this collectivism of like, wow, I'm not alone. And yeah. I think it's really important to bring into this part right here that social media is a major influence of why new moms feel that way. Right. We talk jokingly about the Insta moms that are, you know, killing it, making banana bread and homeschooling their mm-hmm. kids and running, you know, by whatever, like businesses and CEOs and it is a 15 second clip of somebody's life right. edited in a very, you know, strategic way For to make sure. it look a certain way. So when you're just like a regular Instagram mom, you know, you can feel very less than, and I think it's important to like kind of dismantle that. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the going to the groups to touch on that really quickly. I remember, you know, her and I, we did some good work together because at the end of the day, yeah. you know, my goal is to, 
regardless of who's sitting there. And this is what, to me, what the unique thing can be about, uh, uh, see, you know, seeking therapy is that I sat there and I let her be her unapologetically with no judgment and with no court, yeah. with no course correction. Right. Yeah. I'm just like, whatever you're experiencing, um, in, you know, with some psychoeducation and, and about, um, kind of, uh, unhelpful automatic kind of cognitions that yeah. were kind of negative. I just said, Hey, like we kind of got to the point of her accepting that all of those thought, those thoughts that were flooding her mind were not indicative of who she was. They were yeah. just thoughts. And she, you know, part of that is her body is just like in her mind is just trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Right. It's oh, going through this whole yeah. thing. I mean, four weeks postpartum. Yeah. I, that, I mean, it was, yeah. I that mean. mom is listening. <laughs> you are amazing for seeking support that quickly after having a baby because many people don't. And, yeah. And, and and I think that that person should feel so proud of themselves because a lot of what happens is women will have these experiences that are less than ideal, especially if it's like a first baby or the first time experiencing this. And it really can, if gone untreated, color their choices to have babies in the future or expand their families if they wanted to. Um, so I think the sooner that moms can get care, um, and it's, sucks because the first person you're going to go to is your primary care physician and it, I hope it's shifting now but the experience in the past has been like oh these are baby blues right you know and it can be really dismissive um if anybody's listening and a mom comes to you and says you know I don't feel like myself that's like the number one red flag if a mom is saying she doesn't feel like herself then something is wrong and she needs to get some actual right. support no, I think that's a good point and um okay. I mean I wish that the group was kind of not uh I think I wish it would just be I don't know if it is automatically kind of like hey you're enrolled for this you can show up or not you know kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that was kind one of the like you know the hospital tour or <laughs> your you know whatever they teach you like CPR and stuff like that. Right. And, but I do remember one of the big things for this mom of the turning point was what you said was the power of the group because I I was yeah. basically coming to the point with her was like I can get you probably to a certain place of not judging yourself but I was like I think it would be powerful. For for you to hear another mom say the similar thing as you so that you really have that proof and you feel that connection yes. that I'm not alone in this. Because uh, she's like, what is this beautiful. dude going to say at the end of the day? I'm like, I don't know. But that's beautiful. Yeah. She probably had to flex that muscle within herself before she would be ready for group. And I think if you look at it even in a more expanded, like I I'm still friends with one of the moms I met on my hospital tour. Oh, wow. And it was life-saving to be able to go to her and be like, is your kid doing this? Because my kid's doing this. You know, yeah. we need that. We're either going to go to our friends or we're going to go to Google and I'd rather go to my friends. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. So that bond that we get and that connection that gets made in group, um, it goes far beyond whatever four-week, eight-week, you know, sessions you're going to have with those people. Those relationships are formed and will hopefully be lifelong because that is very nice to know that you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. I We're not, you know, one of my big... Um, one thing I'm big on, I think, is that we're we're not supposed to do this alone. Not no. not, not any of it, right? Not not no. parenting. Not if we could. We would be out of jobs, guy. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we can't do this alone. We need people. <laughs> well, so we now what I'm people. now what I'm curious about is jumping to the perinatal. Then, so yeah, I gave a brief kind of s synopsis of what I I'm working with postpartum. Um, okay. But yeah, like, what are you seeing then with with women in that perinatal period? What yeah. are they coming to you? with what are the I don't know what are the key issues that I think important to to say and yeah. 
for someone to hear. So I think I'm going to speak for any moms that are expecting right now during the coronavirus pandemic, because what I'm seeing and hearing is a lot of fear and a lot of grief. And it goes hand in hand, right? Because when you were first pregnant or trying to conceive this baby, this was not happening. So there was no prepping for, okay, when I deliver this baby, this will happen. And um, these are life moments and life experiences that we won't get back, right? So there's a lot of loss in that. Oh, yeah. Um, And partners are not allowed right now to be, at least in my county, to be at doctor's appointments with their partners. Um, Whoa, okay. So these new moms are going and hearing their baby's heartbeat for the first time without their partners next to them. And there's a lot of sadness around that. Yeah. I mean, think of... of, um, a partner who has struggled with infertility or has had losses and need that social emotional support from their partner and that's not allowed right now right so there is a lot of like things we can't control and giving space to you know letting those emotions come um so i would yeah i would say there's a lot of grief with my perinatal you know, clients or just even people socially that I know are expecting babies. It's what I'm seeing right now. It's just a lot of, a lot of grief. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would imagine so. Um, jumping really quickly to, to, for me, the, and I've heard this before. I, you know, I haven't experienced it myself because I I don't have children, but Uh I've heard that one, when you have birth, right. Or when you have, (laughs) when you have a child, (laughs) have birth, when you give birth, um, and you've become a parent for the first time. So uh, just mm-hmm. specifically about the fir- becoming a parent for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward, raising your child of it bringing you back to your childhood or bringing you back to your relationship with your mother. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. I, I'm curious if that comes up in your work. Is that something you address? You know, what themes do you absolutely. see in that? <laughs> Um, absolutely. And I think I, we talked about it a little bit before, um, about the reparenting part that I also try to do in a lot of my work. So the inner child work, identifying, you know, these wounds that we carry, um, inside of ourselves from our own childhood, absolutely come out when we become parents. Um, and I think it can be, you're like at a crossroad, you know, you either, it's that intergenerational (laughs) trauma that gets kind of passed down. Um, so self-compassion is going to be the number one thing that we focus on when you're saying the thing that your mom used to say to you, that you told yourself before having children, you would never say that to your child. That statement comes out of your mouth. That's okay. You're still a good mom. I I can't tell you how many times I I say that in practice with moms. You are a good mom and your, your baby is going to be okay because that I think is the greatest fear, especially if you're talking about new parents who are coming from less than functioning families. Mm -hmm. Um, there's this really overwhelming fear that we're going to mess our children up. Mm. We're gonna, I think even if when you come from a functioning family, it's just the number one fear. You're going to mess your kid up, and right. you're going to be the reason why. <laughs> um, and I think acknowledging that but going deeper, usually it's linked to a lot of um, being raised by a really critical parent. Mm-hmm. You know, So that being your first experience with how you see yourself is that you're just not good. So of course that's going to spill over into how you parent. Um, I think a lot of what I see too is the need to control things. Mm -hmm. So 
oftentimes having a really hard time letting your partner come in and help and support you because you don't feel like it's either good enough or that it's not going to be the right way. And that's probably more with my anxious clients and my anxious moms. Um, It's just sort of how their brains are soothing themselves right now. They got to be in control and I got to be the one to feed the baby and I got to be the one to put that baby to bed because it has to be done right. Um, But that's just not sustainable in the long term. We need to receive support but there's a lot of guilt with that too because we go back to that i should i shouldn't mm-hmm. need this i should be able to do this on i'm not even working right now right very you, yeah you know? no you're saying all the good ones um yeah and it's unrealistic right oh absolutely and one of the because although i haven't worked with um too much with uh, like the perinatal public or not at all or new moms other than that one example i work a ton with moms and their and their teenagers mostly okay. like i said earlier the teenage boys and kind of getting them off of electronics and or you know completely eating chores or just kind of working through that teenage angst and then maybe defiance and yeah. a lot of it is uh we come to the anxiety about you know and the need to control and yeah one of the one of the things I'm always kind of shifting towards is is you be regulated mom <laughs> if you're regulated this will go a lot better <laughs> yes, yes but we it, but, have to be our children's baseline they got to come yeah, down to us absolutely not us meeting them um, but to your point uh, and, and getting to that place of me selling that to that parent is by uh, trying to have them kill that critic inside and say hey hey it's yeah. all good you know you're not a bad parent and yeah. saying hey if i could bring like you were saying earlier if i can bring you and every mom i've worked with in the same room that had a a teenager that wasn't doing well you guys would all probably just take a big exhale and go what do we do what are we pretending for what are we all okay. pretending for because i'm sitting here trying to uh, stressing myself to be a certain way with the shoulds I should be doing better because you think that mom next door is doing better and what you don't yeah. realize is I just came from her house and she's saying the same thing <laughs> absolutely and I think too like that mom who speaks that way about herself would never say that to the woman next door right right that's how we speak to ourselves all the time she would probably tell that mom oh my god I see you you're doing such a good job like I know parenting a teenager is hard but we don't speak to ourselves that way. Right. And we're with ourselves all the time. We are with ourselves all the time. And yep. I think, yeah, like I think really good, solid work is done in changing the relationship that we have with ourselves because yeah. we're always going to be here in this body, in this mind. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And yeah. and I think often when, and going to that idea of the critic, right, we, we, we this is a common phrase, right? We're our, our own worst critic. And if, mm-hmm. if we don't get to challenge that person, going back to the, what you said on the previous recording about being yeah. in the driver's seat um, yeah. and when the critic is in charge, you know, we're, we're kind of just anxious, reactive beings that aren't really, oh, yeah. uh, I think, finding composure and maybe like, like peace in our life, you know, where we're yeah. at, like that our team can be going through something and it doesn't mean anything about them specifically as a child or you specifically as a parent it's just people go through shit you know yes (laughs) because we're not raising like parts of ourselves we're raising human beings with their own thoughts and their own emotions and their own like chemical makeup and constructs like i think if any parent 
can come to that realization faster that my child does not represent who I am as a person, we would have a lot more happy parents. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, I think, understanding that, I think it's said so much, but it, I don't think it's believed or felt um, the, the, the nobody's perfect thing or we all make mistakes. We say those things, I think, generically, but I think, and I, I fully buy into them, right? But in practice, when I work with parents so much, I, I know it's not felt, you know? Yeah. Like we yeah. could say, and they're like, yeah, but you don't feel that, right? That's like wishful thinking. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Maybe you go do that. Yeah. But I'm just going to keep, you know, yeah. putting the pressure on over here. And, and, you know, when you work with parents, they often come in with a kid who has behavioral stuff going on and they want you to fix that kid mm-hmm. when really in reality it's that relationship that needs to be mended a little bit. And that starts with the parent being able to look at their own stuff and what they're bringing to that relationship absolutely which i think is a hard shift to make you know for sure yeah we got to be vulnerable and you know with that point and i i want to jump back to what you were saying (laughs) for the audio my dog is going wild on my lap um but what we were saying earlier because i want to recapture it for this version is you talked about that question you asked people um when you're trying to help them heal from past wounds, uh, okay. from maybe childhood wounds, and maybe those wounds are uh, awakened when they be- and more often when they can become a parent, right? Because now they yeah. have this maybe little mirror into uh, yeah. their past lives. Uh, but anyways, yeah, what was that question that you asked? <laughs> or asked? Yeah, so anytime, and you could not be a parent mm-hmm. or be a parent, but right. anytime I have a client come to me and say, hey, Uh, I want to work on experiencing this or doing this less, whether that's irritability, arguing with my partner, Mm -hmm. um, overeating, overspending, whatever it is. Um, I really ask them to kind of like divert their eyes or close their eyes. And we do a really intentional body scan, which essentially just means you are connecting with yourself and your physical being and you're looking for places that you're just aware of whether it's because of tension um, or a certain emotion is evoked and you're you're giving some space for that and then i dive a little bit further into okay tell me kind of when the last time you felt that way was and one of the questions that i like to ask when they can identify a feeling that's coming up for them is how old do you feel you are when you're feeling that way and i think it's a question that doesn't get asked. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not a question that I've really ever heard be asked a lot in therapy. So when it's asked, people are kind of like, wait, what? What (laughs) what do you mean, you know? Um, But if they can make that connection, you can see this kind of light bulb go off for them. And you can see it's like, yeah when I feel criticized by my partner and I start yelling at them and I feel really out of control, I feel like I'm 13, you know? And then we go into, all right, tell me a little bit more about what it was like when you were 13. And it just sort of helps them remember and make these connections, which can be really powerful. No, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. And to that point in, the the I, for me the importance of the the body scan or being in touch with our body is that can drive what we do right we feel hungry that's an automatic response that uh, that drives us then to eat we feel thirsty right automatic response now there's all these other more complex nuanced ones that 
we may feel them and before we even consciously are aware of the physical sensation we are then doing the action without even thinking and and i think this is where we can be, get stuck in these disruptive patterns in our life because yes, um, yes. Yeah. we don't know any better at that point you right. haven't and I think that's where the self-compassion is huge to establish in the very beginning because we're not trying to judge ourselves into change. Those are tools that your brain has used to get you through really hard things in your past. Right. But you're coming here to this space because you've decided that this doesn't work for me anymore. And now I want to pick up some new tools. So it's really not like, a, oh, God, you wasted your time. And, yeah, I was such an idiot, you know. Um, it's really just like, wow, I'm thankful that my brain got me through that. Yeah. I'm just going to try something different now. You know what it reminds me of when we're speaking of like Instagram we we're talking about earlier is our yeah. brain our brain uh, uh, makes these algorithms based off what we do and what we experience <laughs> just like right if you start getting ads for something because you made one click right yeah. and then maybe in a year like I don't like that 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 store anymore but yeah. my algorithm of what I've clicked and what I experienced still thinks I need it you know <laughs> absolutely I mean you've spent your you know X amount of years of your life with this, you know, operating thought system, it's going to take a little while for you to change it. And I think that's why in the very beginning of sessions, do I make it really clear? Like there's really no finish line here. Right. And you can, especially for my problem solving, doing, thinking clients, you can tell there's like an irritation there of like, huh? What are <laughs> yes. you about? But then yes. there's a sense of freedom of like, oh, because it takes the pressure off. Right. We're not running a marathon here. This is your life. Yeah. <laughs> this is your life. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Oh, I love that point. There was um with my my more anxiety related uh, clients or like something on the I would say the spectrum of anxiety, whether it be something yeah. OCD like or uh, panic or generalized or social whatever. They want the anxiety to go away, right? They, yeah. they want it just to be done. And they like you're saying, they want the tools. Tell me what I can do, right? And I say, you know what you can do? Let go. Okay, so you want you want the tool? Um, let it happen. Be yeah, anxious. And they're like, what? Yeah, no. be anxious. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I... I don't, I need, <laughs> there's a critic in my head. I'd like to post more on Instagram and get more content out there. I would like yeah. to, I don't have to, but I would like to, <laughs> there's uh -huh. me practicing. But I had posted something maybe months ago, of, um, feel the feeling or fear the feeling and it'll grow, feel the feeling and it'll slow. Yes, I, and, think I remember seeing that. Yeah, and because I started, I love using quotes in my work because it's easy to remember, right? Like if I could remember yeah. a phrase, then I could come back to that. And because I was working with a few clients where they just wanted to control the anxiety, I'm like, you're not going to control it. It's like, you know, I would say all these different analogies, and I kind of just got them to the point of, you know what? I, I want you to visualize yourself putting your hand in a run in a river, right? Mm -hmm. And what I feel from you when you're trying to control it, you're trying to grab that water and move it and manipulate yeah. it and put it into a bucket. But you're, you're, by the time you get to the bucket, your hand's empty and you're frustrated and, oh, why, why can't I do this? Feel it. Sometimes it'll be cold. Sometimes it'll be warm. Sometimes yeah. it's moving fast. Sometimes it's moving slow. But you can't control it. And I was kind of using the river analogy as like the internal anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Just let it flow. And... Yeah you know with uh, my more panic related uh clients then it was just like the panic's gonna happen 
Let it run. Just let yeah. let find more security in it in yourself. You know. Get familiar with that. I tell online clients we're gonna get real familiar with that part of you. And I think if clients know right up, like off the bat, your style, because that's not everybody's style, right. right? But it sounds like we're pretty in alignment with like this is how we treat these For these, sure. these things going on. Because that's very similar. Mine's a feel. Deal heal. Oh, I, I like it. Tiffany Rose, she's a like really uh, popular therapist on Instagram, and I loved it because it was like, yeah, we don't have to like do anything, and that dealing can just literally be like feeling it and being present with your body, and that's yeah. important. And I think if we can like be upfront with clients of like, I'm not here to have this miraculous solution to your life, but I'm with you mm-hmm. while we figure out how to get you to a place that feels healthier for you. Um, because yeah, there could that panic, especially those panic OCD perfectionistic, right. like that—that's what drives them. That's what soothes that anxiety for them. And if we can model for them a, a pace that's a little slower, but secure, you know, like unwavering, right? Um, yeah, it's not going to go anywhere. That anxiety, that anxious person that you've been for the last, you know, thirty something years. Yeah probably still going to be there in the next 30 but it doesn't have to be in control of your life exactly and i think that's a good point and going back to the 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 reparenting right and the question you asked so what age is that and and moving through the feelings that drive us and maybe integrating some of those past memories of how we got to the point we are today Uh what are some of the powerful kind of transformations you've seen in working uh kind of with uh either with the perinatal population or like specifically within women's mental health, what are those transformations you see into like reparenting and now I'm this adult yeah. female, you know? Oh gosh. Okay. So <laughs> I, I think what happens when we come to a place of letting go, like literally that's, that's what this process is. You know, the goal of reparenting is not to villainize the parent that caused your pain. Mm-hmm. It's to come to a place like human to human where you recognize your parent parented you the best that they could given the tools that they had at the time. Right. Um, because that can also bring up a lot of like, well, now I'm, you know, I'm mad at my, my dad or my mom and I don't want to spend time with them. And that's okay too. And no judgment on that. Um, but we're not trying to come up with like excuses for, you know, or, or scapegoats or whatever. We're trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest thing that happens in that transformation is when we have this thinking mindset, this doing mindset of, I got to get this to get out of here. I got to get it to go away. There's this like chaotic panic that happens, right? right? And there's this need to control. And I kind of envision, envision like someone just squashing something down so tiny that they can just kind of toss it away. But what happens when we squash something, it becomes really concentrated and oftentimes way more powerful if we were to just... yeah give some space within ourselves so i try to like get my clients from being this like super dense ball of emotions to this like beautiful little bubble that's kind of floating around whatever you (laughs) know see that they're in because because they're so connected with themselves um it doesn't really matter what's happening outside of them in the storm of life right we're we're so okay and and i i forgot to make this connection too with the reparenting the biggest mission of all of that work is to rebuild that person's trust within themselves Mm. i I believe that depression and anxiety are all rooted in this disconnect that we have with ourselves at some point we didn't get the opportunity to believe that we could do certain things absolutely Uh, yeah and so when we can reparent ourselves every time every little tiny time we do that i believe that that trust is restored even stronger which creates this resiliency then it really doesn't matter 
whatever you're going through because you're so at home with yourself that right. it's going to be okay. Even if it's scary, if it's hard, if it's difficult, if it's the worst thing that you ever have gone through, you know you're going to be okay because you're so okay and connected to yourself. Yeah, I, I love that. That's what what it makes me think of is because I have had this these conversations about confidence uh, and I, with the with the adult males I work with, right? Of like, what is this? I mean, I think similar to the work uh, you're doing with women's stuff. Like, what is my identity? You know, and like, what are the social yeah. constructs that I'm measuring myself against that is leading to more anxiety or depression of who I am? As, uh-huh. and how I identify as a, as a man in society and yeah. when we talked about the idea of confidence it was it was basically similar to that definition there is you may see someone give this kind of uh, generic uh, Hollywood movie idea of confidence but I said well let's let's try to redefine it because that, that's that really realistic that maybe that person okay. could be act that way but internally they feel incredibly oh, insecure like yeah, and, right yeah. <laughs> and I kind of came to the point that you know to me you know you know I said this you don't have to buy this you know to my client you don't have to buy this but to me confidence is the person that whether the situation is going well or not it's scary or not to your point they trust in themselves yes. that they'll be okay and that the, the that none of that external stuff defines them right if they're struggling yes just means they're struggling yeah if they're doing you know just imagine if we could all get there like if we could all get to a place where we're so okay with ourselves that we're not trying to convince anybody else around us that we're okay or we're not trying to make you know the person next to us okay so we can be okay Mm -hmm. um i just think that there would be probably a lot more like genuine relationships and happier you know marriages (laughs) and happier kids yeah we, yeah. Like we were saying earlier, can we stop pretending, right? Yeah. And yeah. I feel like I feel like there's a shift. There's this. I, I feel like there's a like if I think of it as three sixty, there's a couple degrees we've moved. I feel, uh-huh. um, and maybe it's because I live in my own bubble, right? I'm in the Bay Area ish still, um, uh-huh. but mental health's pretty big in the Bay Area, so yeah. maybe I, you know I'm kind of in that. Uh, that bubble I get it Um, but I think why I some of my reasons why I think we're making that shift to to being a little bit more genuine and and stop pretending as a kind of a society is uh, from listening to the podcast and hearing people talk about their mental health struggles and not even on mental health podcasts like I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts they all talk about seeing therapists whereas 20 years ago when I was watching comedians, they would talk negatively about, you need, you know, I'm not seeing no therapist, right? And there's this yes. huge stigma behind it. But also with what you're doing, and I'm seeing this a lot, is all of the, all of the content that's out there that is about mental health in so many different layers. And it seems like it is becoming a more mainstream conversation. To, and even to your point, right, of the Insta mom, and I'll wrap this up shortly with my my soapbox moment. Um, I love it. I'm also seeing the other end, right, where moms are, or just people in general are posting like, "This is what motherhood is like yeah. most of the time." Like, like let's literally not literally them crying in their pantry. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. like a um, 
like the mom's trying to go to the bathroom and you can see like the eyes under the door you know oh, yeah. or, or like, like a little fingers that kid's chocolate after they've gone to bed i've done that a few times yeah you know? yeah there's a realism about that for sure yeah so i, I think i'm seeing more of that as well it's kind of opening the door to stop pretending be a little bit more authentic um, I actually am seeing that shift with like the body positivity mm-hmm. movement too. You're seeing a lot more people, even side by side, you know, showing the Instagram poses versus like the real life, mm-hmm. you know, the same body taken, you know, 30 seconds apart from right. each other. And I, I think that was one of the struggles that I actually had. Let's talk about our inner critic here, guys. Yeah. So when I first <laughs> opened the practice um, Instagram, I really felt at a crossroads with myself of like, who do I put on here? Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if you know me in real life, I'm very transparent. Keep it real. Yeah. You know, I like to cuss and I use sarcasm a lot. But it was this like moment in time of, oh, is that okay? Are mm. people going to want to work with me professionally if they, you know, know that whatever, mm-hmm. that I drop the F-bomb occasionally right. or you know so it really and it wasn't even like other clients could see me it was even like colleagues my colleagues are going to see this and are right. they going to think differently of me but I really chose because I've done that work myself I went you know into my heart and I was like no I I want to show up as me and I am so much more than just a therapist I'm a mom and you know all of these other roles that I have in my life and I wanted it to be a space where if I didn't feel comfortable sharing that, then probably nobody else is going to feel that comfort too. Right. So it was a very intentional move. Uh, I wanted this to be psychoeducational and helpful, but I really wanted it to be a space of connection and community. For yeah. Women. I, I love that. Um, and to that point, can you tell people a little briefly about what, what you're actually specifically referring to? Cause I know what you're referring to, but maybe the listeners don't. <laughs> What action? What are you talking about? Like the coffee chit chat and oh, like the yeah yeah yeah. yeah. What so, what are you doing there on Instagram? <laughs> yes. So I I do I have the the practice has an Instagram page and every Friday we do a coffee chit chat with Nat and it's essentially just exactly what it is. I get on you know yeah. <laughs> the chat every Friday and we talk about things related to motherhood we've talked about topics like toxic friendships Mm -hmm. and how to remove yourself from them um how to have boundaries in marriage that was one of our episodes that was pretty popular and got a lot of good feedback so that's kind of the the community that we have going on there and we do we get quite a bit of engagement in the feed below those videos which is really awesome that is awesome no i love it i love watching uh, some of the clips of the the coffee chit is it coffee chit chat is that what it is with that or it's coffee chit chat with that yeah nice no it's awesome um yeah. and i definitely sense that community connection i could see uh that there's definitely a lot of involvement and engagement it inspires yeah. me to put out more content out there I love that. I find that a lot too, which honestly makes me so happy because I'm such a community over competition person. Yeah. Like, I want everybody to just get out there and put out your stuff if that's what you feel called to. Because I think the more that we do that, the more we inspire like other people to to go and and do what they want to do. For sure. And you know, when you said that point about like who do I put out there, right? And I can think of how long it took me to get the podcast, just to emotionally get to the point because yes. you're putting yourself out there to be yes. criticized, <laughs> potentially. And um, I remember kind of hearing uh, of like, oh, you know, people that know me personally are like, oh, you know, you're kind of uh, 
either faking it or fraud, you know, being a fraud on there. And like, the thing I wanted to kind of <laughs> talk about is like, well, who are you to be talking about any of this stuff? Right. Yeah. And I said, no, like, I'm not, you know, my goal isn't to sit here and pretend I don't have a, have a life where I've made my own mistakes or have had my own journey. The reason actually I'm here is because my, my journey in mental health, um, made me so passionate about it because I had wish I gotten it sooner. I had wish I gotten yeah. help sooner. And if I can help anyone um, be inspired to to reach out and get help and uh, be, before it's too late or just before before they have to keep suffering for too much longer. But I right? was going to say, like when you're on the other side of it yeah. and you know that there is a different life that can be lived, yeah. you can't help yourself but want to spread that around. Right. And I, you know, I'm so relieved that I'm at this point now, but there was, yeah, there was a time where it wasn't, you know, and that's why, you know, and so I, it, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. I I feel like, uh, there's so many good therapists out there and, um, I'd love to see them all like putting their stuff out there. And to that point, I think we have to be honest because I think a lot of the times our clients can think that, Oh, you must, you know, never yell at your kids or never lose your shit or you must have a perfect marriage or yeah and that's just simply not not the truth at all yeah i think we as therapists are afraid because there's so many rules and regulations in the field um we're afraid to be ourselves in it Mm -hmm. because we don't want to get you know in trouble or you know be unprofessional but there's a way to do it there's an art to do that and still hold so much space for your client for sure um I think we're going to come to a conclusion here, come to a but at to conclude this and I love this conversation. I feel like I feel like I could easily talk to you. And I and it actually makes me me think of how much in grad school and yes, you're you're always easy to talk to. I know. My goal is to eventually get everyone on here, but we'll see how that goes. That would be so awesome. I would really be happy about that. Well, so far you would be the third cuz I had uh two other you know, yeah, two other cohort I members. I listen to that one. I yeah. love hearing their voices too. So yeah, no, I really appreciate it. But as my closing question to you is, okay. what is it that you wish uh, the younger version of yourself? Oh, I got goosebumps. <laughs> I got so much to say to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it that you wish she knew back then? Mm. Yeah. I think if I could tell her anything, it would be that you're going to be okay, Mm -hmm. that you're going to, that you are good enough Mm -hmm. and that you, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I think that would have spared me a lot of, uh, unhealthy soul searching that happened. Yeah. I gotcha. (laughs) If I could have just been given more of those opportunities to really get to know myself, um, to build that trust within my own self earlier on in my life. I think that that would have benefited me greatly as an adult. For sure. Mm-hmm. Now flipping that question then outwardly to clients, what is it that you wish a listener right now that is contemplating, let's say it's a young woman or a woman in her 20s or a woman in her 50s or whatever, what is it you'd like them to hear? about your your okay. quick sell to them if about I mental health <laughs> speaking like speaking to somebody who's thinking about asking for help yeah yeah 
I think I might tell them the same thing. Like, you're going to be okay. And then I'd follow that up with time is going to pass regardless. I like that. I say that a lot to clients who are struggling with, you know, whether it's suicidal thoughts or like time's going to pass regardless. Mm -hmm. So you can be here and you can be living the life that you want for yourself. Um, and I can help you get through that. Uh, so I think I would emphasize like that you're not alone and there is help there when you're ready to reach out for it and you'll know when you're ready. And you're not crazy. I would yes. say that to anyone, right? That's what that makes me think of, right? Is that yeah. um, the no, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, the person that's on the edge is what is the critic saying that's keeping you from getting help? Absolutely. Right? Yeah, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, it's going like to be, that. it might be scary, it might be hard, um, you might be exhausted, but it's going to be okay. No, I love that. Well, yeah. Natalie, thank you so much for being on today, and thank you for being a good sport and sitting through the uh, dog barking and I then restarting the podcast. I'm he hasn't barked yet. <laughs> no, nah, he looks way too comfortable. <laughs> yeah, he looks way too comfortable. Um, real quickly, tell the people where to find you. Yeah, so I am active on Instagram. You can find me at natalie.silva.lmft. That's also my handle over on Facebook. Cool. And then you can find me on my website at www.natalysilvalmft.com. Perfect. And we'll post that all in the show notes as well. And yeah, take care of yourself. Thank you. Thanks so much, Guy. It was so good to Talk see to you. Talk to you soon. Likewise. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.